Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 100. My name is Ronnie, and I'm joined here with my Soccer Subs co-host, Vas. This is me and Vas for this one today. And before we get started with the show, let me just give a quick shout out to our two Soccer Subs show sponsors. First one up is Paragon Sports, your premier destination for activewear. They're located on 18th and Broadway here in Manhattan. Go check them out for all your running needs, basketball, soccer, baseball equipment, and go give them a follow at Paragon Sports on Instagram. And our second show sponsor, Taqueria 86, an amazing Mexican soccer-themed restaurant. They're located on 94th and Broadway here in Manhattan as well. Go check them off for some amazing tacos, burritos, drinks, tequila, mezcal, all the good stuff. And go give them a follow at Taqueria86NY on Instagram. Now that that's out the way, Vas, good to be on with you, man. Episode 100, MLS Week 14 is already coming up. How was your weekend? How's everything with you? Oh, man. Incredible weekend. It felt good to to have another uh, victory at home on Saturday. Unfortunately, the U.S. Open Cup didn't go our favor for the Red Bulls, but jam-packed MLS Week 14. And I'm excited to have a wonderful guest for episode 100 in the virtual studio to get this episode started. Yeah, that's right, Vasan. Yeah, for the soccer fans, for the MLS fans, big show coming up for you guys today for episode 100. We got a special guest in the virtual studio. He's a TV broadcaster who's worked for networks such as ESPN, Dudene, Univision, covering Copa Americas, FIFA World Cups. He's covered it all. He's now part of MLS and the Apple TV family, appearing also on the MLS Apple 360 show. It's a huge pleasure to have him on with us. Let's please give a warm welcome to Mr. Tony Turchi. Welcome, Bravo, Tony. Tony. And, and thank you, guys. Thank you for the awesome introduction. And uh, um, I'm honored that, that I've, I've been picked to be the guest of the 100th episode. Absolutely, Tony. Thank you so much. We know you're a busy man. And thank you so much for taking the time. And just to kick off the show, you know, first things first, you know, how are you? How's 2023 treating you so far? How's everything going with Apple MLS? And how's everything going with you so far? Well, everything's great so far. Uh, this year has, has been uh, challenging but exciting because uh, I had the opportunity to start working with the MLS, a league that I've been following for uh, many years, but haven't had the opportunity to follow it so closely. I mean, week by week with, uh, I mean, working at Univision and before at ESPN, you, you get the opportunity to cover a lot of leagues, but there's something special about being attached to a, a particular league because you can follow closely week to week. And, um, you know, th this uh, project with Apple TV has uh, given me the opportunity also to do some studio stuff as uh, pregame shows and postgame shows in Spanish a couple of times doing a, a little bit of, of a contribution in English, but also being able to go to the stadiums to do the, the live games. Uh, so far, I've been to Atlanta, I've been to Minnesota, and I'm pretty excited. I'll be going to Nashville this Sunday. So yeah, busy with a lot of air miles, but uh, so far, so good. That's amazing, Tony. No, thank you so much for that. And Tony, you know, one thing we love to touch on here on the show, everyone has a journey. You know, soccer, I think, brings us together. And we wanted to talk a little bit about you before we get talking about MLS. We know you're from Venezuela, currently living in Florida right now, Miami. Wanted to touch a little bit on how you or how you fell in love with soccer, how you got into broadcasting. We know you've been doing this since about 21 years old. So what can you tell us about how you got into soccer? Yeah, well, uh, I would blame my father for the for this uh, love of soccer, because 
Well, my my father is a guy that can sit down in afternoon and watch uh, two, three soccer games, and then add a I don't know Kansas City Royals Oakland Athletics uh, game on the side, you know, and and maybe pick up some uh, NBA. So he was really in love with every sport since I, I have memory, and and then uh, it transpired to me that that love for the game and and soccer being him being Italian, I remember every Sunday at home waking up to the sound of the radio because he was trying to get in touch with all the results and all the uh, goals from Serie A. So that's why, I think that's why I was so mad about the game since I was so little. And then, I don't know, growing up, I, I play a little bit, not not at any even semi-professional level or anything, but I, I love to compete. But I, I started realizing that if I wanted to be close to the game, my best chance was to get into broadcast. So that was like kind of my dream since I was maybe eight, nine, ten years old, and and it never changed. I mean, after I uh, I went out of high school, I didn't even think about going to study something different. I was always about communications, so I did that, and and I got a couple of opportunities during that college, second to last uh, college year an opportunity to work on TV. And uh, from that point on, uh, I was very lucky to find uh, opportunity after opportunity and then follow my dream, which has led me to uh, being here, working for the MLS uh, and a, a great, also another great company as Apple. That's amazing, Tony. And I have to say personally, you know, I admire your work, uh, which is a huge reason why we wanted you to come on the show. And which leads me to my next question, Tony. I know you've worked for networks such as ESPN and through the NA, you've covered a little bit of everything. And, you know, I wanted to focus a little bit on growing the game here in the United States. I think there's more work to be done uh, growing the MLS uh, com compared to the Premier League, compared to Serie A. You know, I think it's very important that we as Hispanics do our part in covering the league and trying to grow this game for for the fellow Latino supporters who make up a lot of the supporter groups and a lot of the fan bases. I just wanted to ask you, how special is this Apple MLS deal? You know, the 10 year deal that was a huge news a couple months ago. And what are you seeing right now with the league and going in the right direction for growing the league? I would say the only way for this league is up. I mean, and it's funny because you, you mentioned Premier League and you, you mentioned Serie A and, and all those leagues that the soccer fan in the United States uh, have been following for, for a long time. And we in America, I mean, in, in the United States, and, and I've been living here for the last five years, but I, I've always been connected to the culture. But the Americans are uh, used to having uh, the best uh, in sports, you know? the best uh, basketball league, the best uh, baseball league, and then such and such. So it is strange not to have the best league in, in a sport like soccer, which is, for me, the most universal sport. So maybe that's why we keep comparing our league, Major League Soccer, to the best leagues in the world, because Americans are not used to not having the best of the best. But, I mean, we're talking about leagues that have been playing for more than a hundred years. So for me, what the MLS has done in uh, less than three decades is incredible to grow the game. And I know there's a, a lot of things to do around the game still in the United States, but to grow the game to the point of having right now 29 teams and in a couple of years, of years having 30 professional teams, you can say, whatever i mean in terms of criticism about the league and and i know always the uh pro relegation stuff is a, a big debate 
but to grow from 10 to 12 teams to 29 in a decade or, or, or even less, I think that's such an effort. And I think it, it has reflected on, on a national team also. So I would say that this deal, it only gives MLS a platform to, to keep growing, to, to keep aiming to be one of the best five to six leagues in the world. I appreciate that, Tony, and I agree. I think there's a lot of work to still be done in the American game, whether it's the grassroots side of it or, you know, trying to see how players could break into professionally outside of just college and the MLS draft system. But let's talk about some of the positives of MLS now. I think they've done very well in terms of promoting the youth. Things like MLS Next Pro and MLS Next have a proper structure to get young players more game time and maybe make that jump overseas. And Tony, I know you're a bit of an expert in Champions League as well as the Liga Mekis. And something we've seen less and less of throughout the years is less young Mexican talent from Liga Mekis making the jump overseas to Europe. What can you attribute that to? And what can Liga Mekis learn from MLS, who's been very vocal in trying to promote the youth and having guys like a Brandon Aronson or Tyler Adams making that jump after starting their career within the league? I think both leagues have a, a different focus in that, in that matter. And sometimes what I can say about uh, the Mexican league and the young talent, maybe not doing that uh, transition, not, not taking that jump to Europe. We all know that Mexican teams usually pay handsomely uh, to young talent, which is Maybe one of the differences in between with the MLS, and, and that's a thing that, that's changing also in the MLS with the under 22 initiative. But the thing is that right there, if you're a, a, an average young player, you can earn a lot of money compared to maybe what you're gonna get, uh, where you're gonna get paid in, let's say Belgium or a, a middle of a table team in Germany. So for, Liga MX players to make that jump, they have to have either the ambition besides the, the financial matter or the opportunity to go to a really big team. And I mean, like top two teams in, in, in the Portuguese league, which has, has been the case for many young talent in, in uh, Mexico, or maybe a middle of the table team in Spain, but not everybody takes an opportunity. Like for instance, Santiago Jimenez did with Feyenoord, you know? In, in, in Netherlands. So whereas the American young talent, for me, they they have that ambition and, and they know also that they can may, maybe make the same amount of money that they make if they play in a, in a, um, a major league market. But also there's, for me, in the last five to six years, the change in mentality in the teams from major league soccer and becoming a, a, a league that can export talent that can make a living or maybe complete that financial part that they get in the states with those sales of young players uh, abroad yeah that's amazing tony and tony i mean obviously we're here because of mls and we're already getting to the halfway mark soon we're already mls week 14 and we know we're getting to the halfway point and um i just wanted to ask you what's been your thoughts so far of the of the season so far and particularly i know our new york teams aren't doing the greatest right now nycfc sitting 10th red bull sitting 11th uh, a little better they were bottom of the league at the moment you know i know both teams are going through their struggles needing strikers nycfc i know losing a lot of players like Sean Johnson, Tati Castellanos going to Girona. What's been your thought of the season so far? And what have your colleagues been saying about anything about the newer teams and, and Apple TV? Well, well, yeah, I think you nail it with, with, the, with both teams. They, they 
there have kind of the same uh, weak point, which is uh, scoring goals. That has been a, a struggle for uh, either New York Red Bulls and, and New York City FC. And in the case of New York City FC, you, we, we talked about this about this uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in our shows in, in Apple TV. New York City FC used to have great number nines. I mean, we we had David Villa here, which uh, tear down the league. They had Tati Casellanos recently, and then they led them to their first league title. And right now they have, maybe they have um, too many attacking players on the side, or maybe too many players with the characteristics of a, a number 10, but they're lacking that number nine. And uh, maybe they, they've tried with Santi Rodriguez a, a couple times as a false nine. I think Gabriel Siegel has, has done a good job uh, with the minutes that he's had. But to be a true contender in this league, either you have to have a great collective effort, I mean, a, a great collective form as Cincinnati has had so far, or you have to have that difference maker, which uh, LAFC has in Buanga or uh, Hani uh, Mukhtar in Nashville. So that's the thing with both teams. And, and with New York Red Bulls, they, I'm guessing they thought they had that with Dante Vancier. And with everything that has happened, we still don't know if he's going to be the guy for them in, in, in terms of goals. We saw him yesterday get a great goal uh, to equalize the game in U.S. Open Cup, but then he missed a penalty. And it was not only that he missed a penalty, the way he took it, it's like with, with, it doesn't seem fit for a guy that's coming back to the team after what happened. He was even like he didn't, you know, he didn't want to even take it or, I don't know, I, I didn't like that and then that um, the body language of him. But, well, well we get into deeps with, with those two teams. We, you guys uh, know what they're lacking at this point. And, and throughout the league, I would say that the depth that LAFC has is uh, unparalleled at, at this point. Yeah, and I totally agree with that, Tony. I think one of the more obvious struggles for both New York teams has been that lack of a clinical number nine. And, you know, defensively, they look pretty solid, but it's goals that win you games at the end of the day. So that's... Uh, some of that, I, like you said, I think we hit the nail on the head in terms of what's an issue with those two teams. But speaking of number nines and speaking about goals, I saw your video on your YouTube channel, actually, that had talked about Joseph Martinez's move to Inter-Miami. And this was before the Pozuelo news that he wouldn't stick around with the team and stuff. And I kind of agree with you. Before that, I think Ronnie agrees as well. I think he had Inter finishing top two or three in the East before the season started. I think it was a good move overall for his personally, his life, and also to try to make a name for himself somewhere else in a league that he's comfortable with. And on an individual basis, would you rate his move as positively as you did in that video without knowing that Pozuelo would leave? Or how would you rate his season thus far? I mean, I don't remember exactly which which was the moment that I, I recorded the video. And I kind of think that we already knew about uh, Pozuelo because I, I, I remember saying at that time that the the main thing for Miami was how they were going to get balls to either Leo Campana and Joseph Martinez, because those are the type of number nines that don't get away from the, from the box too much, you know, and, and make a play for themselves. It's, those are not the qualities or the virtues or the characteristics of, of those two strikers. So to play with, with two like prototypical number nines, the issue with Miami was precisely that not having Pozuelo, who's going to get that responsibility of, of getting the ball forward. And, 
and you had to expect a lot from Stefanelli because of his past, but he, for me, he hasn't delivered yet. Rodolfo Pizarro is another case of a guy that was brought here with the, such uh, expectations because he was one of the DPs of, and and he haven't played at the level that they were expecting uh, they were expecting him to. So yeah, they lack they're lacking at this point. They're lacking that number ten. And if you play with those two strikers, which was the plan at the time to play both uh, starters, uh, you you have a big problem there. And and then you see this Miami team and they don't have like true wingers either. So that's a complication. You have two guys that for me, they're very good number nines. And Joseph has been proven in this league for a long time, but there's the issue of getting the ball there, you know? And I, I would say that Joseph hasn't, play at the level that we were expecting him to be. I mean, in, in terms of only his individual performance. But if you see the Miami, uh, if you see Miami playing, there's this team hasn't found a way yet. I mean, and I know they uh, won like three or four games in a row with counting the US Open Cup uh, win, but th those are streaks and not a, a team that can be consistent uh, on the field. So for me, bottom line, Joseph can be very effective, but this team, as is constructed right now, as it's built from uh, from the roster standpoint, is not able to compete. And, and they may get to the playoffs, but if they don't add a true number 10 and, and maybe some help at the wings, I don't know if they're going to compete in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that, Tony. I think that Inter Miami's just squad built has been lacking a lot of cohesion and just depth overall. So I, I do agree with that. Yeah, Tony, that's amazing. And, and Tony, my next question for you, just as players are important, obviously coaching is very important in the league. And I wanted to get your thoughts so far just on which coaches right now have been probably your front runners of maybe coach, coach of the year. You know, up there, I think we have to, we have to, we can't ignore what uh, Pat Nuna has been doing for FC Cincinnati. Of course, Steve Girondola with LAFC. Also, are there any other coaches that maybe have surprised you? Like I'm thinking Bob Bradley with Toronto right now being bottom of the bottom of the East and Peter Vermees with uh, Sporting Kansas, who like it's surprising that he's been in charge for so long. And right now he's not getting the results he wants. I just wanted to maybe get two and two, two coaches that have surprised you or two coaches that you think are right now doing amazing. Well, I, I know uh, as um, I know we in Latin America, we are a little bit more extreme when we talk about coaches in our game. And 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 here in the United States, it's not. You don't talk too much about a coach being in the hot seat, but you you name Bob Bradley and things are not going well for him. And it seems that internally Toronto is not in a good place besides the, uh, the plane, which hasn't been there either. But also Greg Vanny, I think he's, he's hasn't found a way to turn it around besides that, that, that game that they won yesterday again against an LAFC team that clearly is thinking much more in... in in terms of the uh, Champions League final than the US Open Cup, but but those are two teams that I don't I don't I don't really see how they're gonna turn it around. And uh, you, you talk about also about Sporting Kansas City. For me, this looks like a different team from the moment that they snapped the, that um, losing streak. They they have shown another the other type of energy. Uh, Johnny Russell seems to have awakened. Pulido, if he, if he can deliver 10 to 12 goals to this team, that, that's going to be a, a different team because they, they have a strong midfield and a strong defense also. But but in terms of the positive, I would say Wolf Nancy is the, uh, the coach that I would look for because 
this Columbus team, they have talent, but there's also a clear identity of their of their game at this point. This is a team that likes to pressure. There's a team that likes to recover the ball uh, high up in the on, on the pitch. And um, for me, is a team that you clearly see an idea of how they want to play. Also, uh, to give praise to Pat Noonan, because what Cincinnati has done without a, a goal-scoring like duo or even a, a goal-scoring good season so far for Brandon, from Brandon, Brandon Baskets, I, I think that you have to give praise to, to what uh, Noonan has done. But th those are the two, maybe, maybe even Bruce Arena, because he has had to dealt with a lot of injuries so far with the Borrero thing, with Bo being out uh, and, and New England being at the top for a, uh, a little while and then uh, not so far from uh, Cincinnati at this point, I would say that Bruce uh, deserves some praise too. And on that front, I again, I have to agree with you, Tony. That's why you're the expert. That's why I had to bring you on, mm -hmm. bringing on all the great points. But we can't talk to a Venezolano and talk about MLS head coach without mentioning the great, Giovanni Savaresi. And, you know, I'm personally one of the big, my favorite players growing up when his Metro Stars days and stuff. So I definitely had a big poster of it in my room. But can you talk about his importance possibly in helping legitimize Venezuelan footballers in the States and become somewhat of a trailblazer for guys like a Joseph Martinez and a Junior Moreno or Yanhel Herrera to, you know, make that move over here and try to get some, uh, get that game time needed to make them move overseas. And look, even guys like uh, Alejandro Moreno, you know, back in the day, or Gabriel Cicero and Jorge Rojas making the Red Bulls make their only MLS Cup final, you know? So I have a special place in my heart for Venezuelan footballers because Sabadesi, Rojas, Cicero. So can you just comment on that aspect of uh, maybe Gio helping do that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Gio was a, a real trailblazer with, with that, uh, uh, with that Metro star era, you know, And, and I remember very well when, when the league was uh, in its infancy and, and seeing Gio play with the Matrosaurs and, and kind of becoming a, a local idol. This, this is a guy that has had his, uh, his um, north as a footballer and, and as, a, as a manager very clear. So his development also for me is a, is a, a case that is to be taken as a reference from other coaches and former players in, in Venezuela. And I know that Uh, Ricardo Paez, uh, um, which had a, a, a pretty good playing career, is also doing his thing in Cincinnati right now. I think he was in Orlando before. Um, so, so this has become a, a league that's very attractive to either former Venezuelan players that want to develop in, in terms of head coaching and also for young Venezuelans. And, and this, this year, I think we, we, uh, we have taken a step back in terms of Maybe some players not developing the way that we expected them to. I'm thinking about Ronald Hernandez, which is which had some time as a starting in Atlanta, and right now is kind of a third uh, string uh, left back. I'm thinking about Christian Casares, which I think should develop a little bit more in his game. And um, I don't know. I I'm expecting some of the uh, Wiki Carmona. Uh, I'm expecting some of the guys to really take a step forward. And, and of course, Joseph has been the uh, absolute reference in this game for, for Venezuelan players. But also you got uh, Brujo Martinez, Junior Moreno has been playing very good. So, so I think this more and more has become a league that Venezuelan young talent sees as uh, 
a, a key to keep developing, developing their game and maybe take a step forward to European football. Tony, that's some great insight. And again, couldn't have come from a better source. And you had touched on this a little bit before. You had a father who was a fan of many of the sport, not just football or soccer. And you being involved in the game since you were 21 and other ventures as well. Can you just share maybe a, a time or a moment in time, I should say, when you're covering any sport? It doesn't have to be soccer, really. And you just had to pinch yourself and just sink in the moment. And you can look back on and say you were happy to have gotten to experience to live that specific moment in sporting history it could be a goal it could be a call it could be anything i mean i've been i've been uh, i've been so fortunate so far in my career to being able to be at some really cool places and and, and really awesome moments in in time of sports history i mean if i had to pick one in terms of of historic importance i would say maybe uh, i don't know 2016 world series the cops breaking that that curse uh also, besides the story of the Cubs finally winning it all, that was one of the best World Series that I have memory of going to to seventh game. Uh, them being, if I don't recall uh, bad, I mean, 3-1 uh, down and then coming back. And um, that seventh game in Cleveland was, was it had it all. I mean, rain delay, uh, home runs. So so that was a special moment for me. That, that That's so far the only World Series that I've have the opportunity to cover but i mean if that's the only one that i'm gonna cover I'm, I'm i'm pretty happy with it but but also being able to be there at two of the fourth uh of the four nba finals between warriors and and Cavs, which for me has been the best rivalry in maybe 20 years in the nba and um the the last opportunity that i had to work uh, that i had to work with univision i i got the chance to to do a color commentary on the, on the last uh, Champions League final in Paris uh, when when Madrid got their uh, 14th. So, so for me, it's, it's really difficult to pick up uh, a certain moment, but but those are for sure the top three. That's amazing, Tony. And uh, we're wrapping it up. Promise. Uh, just my last two questions for you. Piggybacking off that question, Tony, I should have asked this in the beginning, but you know, when it comes to soccer and when it comes to our beautiful game, are there any idols that you have that you that have kind of helped you mold you and how you look at the game? Um, and I'm t I'm talking about like the greats like Maradona, a Messi. Like uh, I just wanted to ask who are your role models, who are your idols in this game, in particular, maybe a coach or or a, or a player that you know you just put up there that are some of the best ones right now, especially maybe Pep with Man City, hopefully maybe winning his first uh, Champions League with Man City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm rooting for that because I, I think that a team that plays at, at such a level of almost perfection should have that reward. But but let's see how, how it plays out because finals and elimination games have, haven't, haven't been so so kind to Pep Guardiola's uh, teams apart from that uh, Barcelona era. But uh, in terms of idols growing up, I mean, I would say since I hadn't the opportunity to root for my national team because Venezuela hadn't been, haven't been so far in a World Cup so far, I always rooted for the Italian team because because of my dad. So growing up, maybe looking at players as uh, Robbie Baggio, Paolo Maldini, those were the kinds of players that that really got me in love of the game. But if I had to pick one. And, and this is not such a mainstream one. I would say that there was a player in Italian soccer, and then he played a lot in, in Premier League. He was kind of a, a reference, an idol uh, in Chelsea. 
Uh, one of my favorite players growing up was uh, Gianfranco Zola, which also uh, played for Napoli alongside Maradona. And when Maradona left there, he said, I don't know why you guys are so sad. You, you guys have Gianfranco Zola. And for me, that was a true magician with the ball that didn't get, didn't get the opportunity that he deserved in the national team. But the, the way that guy played, I mean, I was in love with his game. Oh, that's amazing, Tony. And Tony, just to wrap it up, like I said, we're halfway through the MLS season. And, you know, one team that we just we can't stop mentioning, obviously, is LAFC. It feels like, again, they're the team to beat again this this year. They've only had one loss, which is insane to me. Um, and I feel like they just keep getting better and better. They keep making moves. Um, I see them making partnerships. I believe I saw a partnership with them with Bayern Munich. And um just want to get your thoughts. Do you feel like right now they are the front runners? to possibly win it all again? Or do you feel like it's too early and maybe there could be a dark horse out there that uh, could maybe give them a, a run, like Seattle Sounders or AFC Cincinnati again? Who, maybe just right now, who, what's your thoughts maybe for the end of the season? Well, in, in this business, we'll, we always like to predict and we we get smashed when we predict something and it is it is not happening. And, it, and it's not happening. But I would say that for, from the, the perspective that, I don't know, 13, 14 games has given us so far, I don't, I don't find any argument against naming LAFC as a team to be because they had, so far they had it all. I mean, so they, they've looked at, if you pick a couple of games, they've looked maybe not so solid in terms of, of defense, but uh, those had happened when they, when they had early advantages in, in scoring. When they go to a, uh, a second half up to nil or up three nil, they, they haven't, look that solid and and for me it's more a, a, a thing of, of managing mentally the game than uh what they have on defense uh, in in terms of of, of uh, personnel but if you i'm gonna maybe maybe this is gonna be a stretch but if uh, kind of reminds me when the golden state warriors had the best team in the league and they added kevin duran so if you're lafc and you're you're already at the top of the game and you had a guy like Dennis buanga which lands in the in the uh, league and starts tearing it up it's difficult not not to name you the team to beat you know absolutely tony and tony we want to say thank you so much for coming on for episode 100 and before we let you go how can the fans interact with you do you have a twitter do you have an instagram um where can the fans find you and uh thank you again for your time tony no thank you guys have enjoyed the conversation so much and i'm pretty much every uh social network i'm at tony kerki which is tony cherchi you can spell it like that and i'm kind of kind of new on youtube trying to to trying to publish a video uh maybe i don't know daily or uh, one once couple times a week and, and I'm kind of struggling right now because it is not easy to uh, as you guys uh, probably know uh, hosting a podcast with all the things that go behind that but uh, yeah YouTube Twitter I'm, I'm pretty active on those and, and also Instagram so uh, more than welcome to talk football and talk uh, NBA and all sports uh, really in, in any of those platforms. All right, guys, that was the interview with Tony Cherchi. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for coming on. And what a great guest. I couldn't have thought of a better person to come on for episode 100. Amazing insight. A great broadcaster has been doing this for over 20 years and a lot of stories to tell. So, uh, Tony, thank you so much again. Vas, let's start getting out of here, man. What you think of Tony? And anything you want to say before we get out of here? 
Tony, 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 what a legend, man. Thank you so much for having the time to speak with us on a very special episode 100 of the Soccer Subs podcast. And of course, if you guys want to hear some more of him, be sure to just listen to that whole interview with him. And of course, tune in for next week's episode as we will be having some special guests lined up for you guys. And Vaz, before we get out of here, I had to ask you, man, being that this is episode 100, what does it mean to you, man? I feel like we've been through a journey, uh, a lot of work, a lot of long nights, taking away from our busy schedules. Looking back at everything, man, just you being part of this this show for so long now um, and being with us since day one, what, do you, what does this episode mean to you, 100 episodes, man? 100 episodes in. So I can say that I supported the soccer subs as a listener first. And was super happy to see you and Christian's journey unfold. And slowly but surely, I got to reach out to try to maybe talk something that we all love and we all can relate to and something that brings us joy, peace, sometimes sadness. Not everyone could win. But I was incredibly honored to have been able to join at a point where I thought that we can really take this and grow it. And I think we've done a little bit of an okay job in trying to do our part in helping build this beautiful game. Because... At the end of the day, I think I can speak on behalf of a few other folks that I had a dream of being a soccer player one day. Maybe this listeners did as well. And I always wanted to just be able to try to popularize the game a little more, even if it's something with a podcast or a conversation with a random fellow on the street. So I think just what we've done as a group, I'm incredibly proud of. And I'm looking forward to another 100 episodes of greatness with you and the lads. Yeah, appreciate it, Vas. And yeah, to the, all the listeners, thank you so much for all your support throughout these 100 episodes, for all the ones that have been through with us since day one. Like I said, it's been a lot of work, but wouldn't have it any other way. Nothing comes easy here. And thank you guys for all your support. We'll be back next week with Christian and Eric back on for episode 101. Give us a follow at Soccer Subs Radio on Twitter, Soccer Subs Podcast on Instagram. We got a great guest for episode 101. We're officially in our hundreds, but uh, thank you guys for everything. We'll see you guys next week. Everyone take care and have a good one. Thank you.